Every year when we, uh, we do our preschool graduation, we give our teachers and our staff roses as a way of saying thank you uh, for all their hard work. I mean, I'm going to tell you, preschool is hard work, okay? And, uh, but anyway, I, was, I had gone and I had bought all these roses and I put them in this, uh, a couple of vases that we had and, and I was bringing them in for the car, from the car, and one of them slipped out of my hand on the driveway in the back and just broke. And it was one of my wife's favorite vases, Really pretty. You know where I'm going with this. And this was not good, right? And all I could do was look down and go, oh, my. I didn't think about the broken vase. I didn't think about the roses that were laying. I thought, what is my wife going to say to me? How am I going to make up for this, right? Well, I looked at that vase after that thought, and I said, well, I guess we're not going to use that vase anymore. That's no longer going to be her, her favorite. How many of you ever broken something before, and you just kind of look at it like, well, that's over, right? Anybody ever done that, you know? Well, how many of you know we live in a broken world? We live in a broken world. We, we as people... The world we live in is broken because people are broken. We're broken because of sin. How many of you know I'm broken? You're broken. And if you don't come to the place in your life that you recognize and realize and admit you're broken, then that's the area that you're broken in. See, we live in a broken world, and the Bible speaks of the brokenness that we have because of sin and the result of of, of this brokenness with sin. We began a series last week. I began a new series called Times and Seasons. The idea uh, for this series has been on my heart a long time, and it has a lot to do with the brokenness of the world that we see. And last week, I, I talked to you about the, the time, I started talking about the time season. How many know in, in the book of uh, First Chronicles, there's a story about what's called the, the sons of Issachar. And sons of Issachar, the Bible says, they knew the times and the seasons so that they could know what Israel should do. Okay, and, and I mentioned last week in the book of Esther, the king had people around him, wise men, who, who knew the times and seasons so that they could advise the king. Now, in all these cases, they knew, what, they knew the times and seasons because they knew God. They understood his word, and they understood that before we ever get to the times and seasons that we're in, the word has already prophesied and spoken of those times and seasons. How many know the Bible speaks of our brokenness and the brokenness of this world? And the brokenness of this world is why we're in the times and seasons that we're in. My message last week was titled, I, I titled my message, The Cry of the Church. And I talked about the, si the signs of the times and seasons that we're in. I talked about the, 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 the signs of the, that we see taking place in the world. And I talked about the signs that we see in people during these times and seasons. And if you want to go back and listen to it, you can go to our website. You can go to iTunes and listen to that again. But the takeaway from that message was this. The cry of the church has got to be, should be, 
Lord, rend the heavens and come down. I say that because the only answer to the brokenness of the, this world is the cry of the church crying, Lord, rend the heavens and come down. Now, I'm going to tell you the only answer to our own brokenness as, as people is cry, Lord, rend the heavens and come down in my life, in my heart. It's what we were singing this morning. Today, I, I want to speak with you about a subject that is not going to be your favorite subject. It's not most of our favorite subject, but it's, it's the subject of brokenness. Now, I'm not talking this morning about the brokenness of the world. We see the brokenness of the worlds in the times and seasons. And I pointed, the, pointed out last week in the message the brokenness of the world and the brokenness of people and how we see those signs. But I want to talk to you about the brokenness of the church. The brokenness that should be in the church. Hear me. Be very careful to understand I'm not talking about the faults of the church. How many know we have faults? Why? Because we're people. Church is full of people. If you say the church is nothing but a bunch of hypocrites like so many do, it's because people are hypocrites. If you say the church is just this or just that, it's because we're people. Church is full of people. The church was created to be full of people. Okay? So we're talking this morning about the brokenness of what the, the, the brokenness that's got to be in the church, that, that needs to be in the church. And so uh, we come to the Psalms 34:17, and just listen to this passage. Psalms 34:17 says, "The righteous," and he's speaking of the church. Today he's speaking, "The righteous cry out." The church has got to the, come to the place that we cry out to God. Lord, rend the heavens and come down. We cry out to God. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Look at that. When the church begins, when we, when the church begins to cry out to God, not just a simple little prayer or not just simply a nice song, but when the church his heart is broken for God, and we begin to cry out for God. God's promise is he will hear and deliver us out of all our troubles. Did you hear that? Verse 18 says, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such that has a contrite or a repentant spirit. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as has a contrite spirit. And most people don't like the word brokenness because it, 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 it exposes us. If I talk to you about my brokenness, it would expose me. We don't like that. We like to keep our lives private. No, no, I'm not going to let you in to what's in my heart. I'm not going to let you into my past. I'm not going to let you into these things because I'm broken. And I don't want anybody to see how I'm broken. We don't like that. But, the, but even more so, we don't like it because of the worldview of brokenness. There is a worldview of brokenness that it's weakness. That the worldview of brokenness, no, I gotta be strong. I've got, you know, I can't be, I can't allow anybody to see my weaknesses and my, my brokenness. 
So the first thing I want to do this morning is I want to dispel some myths, if you will, about brokenness. And one is that brokenness is not a weakness. Are you hearing me? I, I guess you didn't. <laughs> Everybody like, well, maybe. I'm not sure if I want to. If I want to hear, brokenness is not a weakness. You see, in our culture and in our world, and it's probably been this for thousands of years, but I know in our culture, in our world, self be strong. Strength of self is one of the highest values. To be popular, you got to be the strong one of the group. To be, to be successful, you got to be that strong person. You got to, you got to be strong. You can't be weak. It's one of the high values of the world we live in, is to be strong in self. But the kingdom of God is different. There is, in every case, there's almost like an inverse relationship between the world and the kingdom. And the kingdom of God, brokenness is one of the highest values of God. Brokenness is a high value to God. Isaiah 6.1 says, listen to this passage. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, the name Uzziah means self be strong. That's what that name, Uzziah, means self be strong. What Isaiah is saying here is in the year that self be strong died. Are you hearing me? In the year that self be strong died, that's when I saw the Lord. And when I saw the Lord, he was sitting on the throne. He was high and lifted up. In the year that self be strong died, that's the year that the Lord was lifted up. And that's the year I saw him. God can only be enthroned on your heart when you get off your throne. Hear that, church. Because the culture, the society, the world is so opposite that. If you listen to and you follow and you become like the culture of this world, you become withdrawn in yourself. You're not broken. You're not allowing yourself to. you got to be strong. And you'll never see God. There's an old saying that says, a strength assumed is a weakness doubled. A strength assumed is a weakness doubled. I heard Bill Johnson say uh, this last week in a, in a message. He said, if you want to know where the enemy's going to attack, look at what you perceive as your strengths. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Brokenness, church, is a necessary condition of the heart for every believer it's a necessary condition of the heart. Another myth, so the first one is that it's not a weakness. The second myth I want to dispel is brokenness is not the end. It's not the end. My wife's vase, it was the end of that vase. I picked all the little pieces up and put them in the trash, okay? It was the end. But with God, remember the inverse relationship between kingdom and world. And with God, brokenness is just the beginning, it's just the beginning. It's what makes you useful to God. Jesus said in John 24, uh, 12, 24, listen to this. 
Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Are you hearing me? Brokenness before God is what makes us useful to God. It's what makes us fruitful to God. Brokenness is the beginning. It's not the end. It's the beginning of life. Life begins when we come before God broken and repentant and we open our heart and become transparent before God. That's the beginning of life. Finally, brokenness is what God is looking for. The Lord says in Isaiah 66 too, but this is the man to whom I will look and have regard, he who is humble and of a broken and wounded spirit. God's looking for that. He's looking for those that are broken before him, that come before him, broken, repentant, of a wounded spirit. Think about that, of a wounded spirit. God is looking for the broken heart. You know, Jesus, the Bible says, was a, a friend of Broken-hearted, repentant sinners. Broken-hearted, repentant prostitutes, thieves. That's why the religious community did not like him. Because he was a friend of the wounded. He was a friend of the broken-hearted, the repentant. So we need to understand that brokenness is something God wants to see in us. God wants to see brokenness within us. And and if we will allow him to, if we, because we can prevent God from seeing our brokenness. But if we will allow him to, he will form a brokenness. How many know God took took the, the dust of the earth and he formed a man? He formed us out of the dust of the earth. He also can form. God is great at forming things. He will form your heart. He will form your life. He'll form your values. But he wants to form brokenness as well. And I want to show you four ways, four ways God forms brokenness in us. The first two, and hear this, the first two have to do with our pursuit of God. God forms brokenness in our pursuit of him. The second two have to do with what we are fleeing from. How many know the Bible tells us to flee from some things? Flee, get away from them. You know, things like sin and evil and and temptation and sexual immorality. God, the Bible says, flee from it. Get away from it. Run as fast as you can. The Bible also says, church, flee from debt. (laughs) I say that because it's as bad, it's as evil. Flee from it. Remember what the word repentance, I talk about this all the time because most people in their mind think of repentance as coming before the Lord at the altar and it doesn't 
include that, but the word repentance actually means to make a 180 degree turn. To going one way and I repent, it means I turn and go the other way. I may be moving towards things that are evil and moving towards things that are ungodly and I come to a place of repentance and usually it's brokenness that causes me to make that stop and say, I'm broken, I need, and we turn. That's that's repentance. It, we, we, we make this 180 degree turns. It, it means to turn away from the things that have kept us from God. How many know evil and, and sin and impurity and things like that will keep you from God? It means to turn from sin, turn from that old life, turn to God, turn to the new life he has. There are four ways I just want to mention to you real quick here. I want to mention these four ways, these four ways in which God forms brokenness in our lives. The first is through his presence, through his presence. I want to tell you that we have to learn how to be comfortable more and more in his presence. We get to a certain place in worship and you can almost feel like, well, I, I'm just, I just can't go any further. And see, I believe that the Lord is calling us new life. He's calling us to go further and deeper in his presence. And it does get uncomfortable. Maybe there may be just a complete moment of silence. We really have a problem with silence when it comes to worship and prayer, don't we? It's uncomfortable. But God forms a brokenness in the midst of some of those things. I have been in meetings before in which all of a sudden everything went silent. And after a few minutes, you begin to hear a cry. And then another cry. And people begin to wailing and crying, God, why? Because God is forming a brokenness within people in the midst of that silence of worship, that silence of prayer. Are you hearing me, church? In Job 23, 15 through 16, listen to what it says. Job says, therefore, I am troubled and terrified at his presence. When I consider, I am in dread and afraid of him, for God has made my heart faint, timid, and broken. Our flesh fears God's presence. The more we draw into his presence, the more our flesh crawls, doesn't like it. Are you hearing me, church? Now, Job, if you understand Job, Job was a very wealthy, successful businessman. Some estimate his wealth to be in the hundreds of million dollars of t in today's turn. He was a Maybe a billionaire in today's terms, very wealthy man, but he was also, the Bible says, he was a devout man of God. The Bible says that he was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. He was a good man. But God saw in Job there was something he lacked. Out of being all of that and loving God, a devout man of God, there was something he lacked, and that was brokenness. Job lacked brokenness. So God allowed Satan, he allowed Satan. If you read the story, he allowed Satan to test him, to, 
God removed his hedge of protection around Job and allowed Satan to come in and test him. Job took everything from him. Job, I mean, the devil took everything from Job. His, his health, his family, his wealth, his friends. Even his marriage was tested. His wife looked at him and says, why don't you curse God and die? How many know that's not a good thing to tell your husband or your wife? <laughs> Just curse God and die. You know, everything was tested. But Job would not curse God and die. Why? Because he was a devout man of God. He stayed faithful to God. The Bible says that he came to the point, he says, even though he slay me, I will trust him. You see, I believe that he was in his devout love of God. Job knew God's doing something in my heart, and I'm going to trust him, even though it's tough and hard. It was about 20 years ago, I was going through a real difficult season in my life, and one day I, I, uh, I came in and I found on my desk at home, there was my Bible, and it had uh, a note from my son, our son, Michael, and it said this, it says, this is the Bible, it's, I don't use this one all the time, but he had it opened on my desk, put this note on there, it says, remember the book of Job, dad, today is the first day of the rest of your life, it's like 20 years ago. And that always means something. I've never removed that note. It's a constant reminder uh, to me. And, um, you know, I believe that over these last 20 years, God has constantly, in ministry, in my life, he's been forming brokenness. I believe, like Job, that there was a lot of things that, in my life that God had done, but at that point, he needed to form brokenness brokenness. See, in the end, God restored Job's health. He restored his family. He doubled his wealth and possessions. But not until God accomplished in, his, in Job's heart what he needed to accomplish, and that was brokenness. Listen to what Job said to the Lord in, in Job 42.5. He says, my ears, listen to this, my ears had heard of you in other words, before all this happened, my ears had heard. I, I knew about you. Hear me. Hear what Job is saying. My ears had heard about you, but now my eyes have seen you. He never knew God until God formed brokenness, until he learned to trust him in the midst of that brokenness. Verse 6 goes on and says, Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. You see, through all of Job's trials and testing, he continued to be faithful, to seek God. And through the brokenness, Job, for the first time, knew God. For the first time, he knew him in a new level, in a new place. God forms brokenness in us through seeking his presence, being relentless to go after him in his presence. In the midst of it being uncomfortable and our flesh crawling and, and, and uncomfortable in whatever silence or whatever it may be. Or maybe, maybe even God bringing up our weaknesses and, and our brokenness in our own heart. Through all of that, God is forming a brokenness in you. Are you with me, church? The second way God forms brokenness in us is through his word. 
through his word. Isaiah 66, 2 says, again says, But this is the man to whom I will look and have regard. He who is humble and of a broken and wounded spirit and who trembles at my word. Who trembles. Today, the word of God is, is relegated by the world. It's relegated as just a, a really good book, another book. But I'm going to tell you, the word of God is it's not natural. This is not natural. This is supernatural. Are you hearing me? It is supernatural. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living. This is alive. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God cuts right to the chase. It doesn't hold back. That's why a lot of people don't go deeper in it. They get to a certain place and it's like, man, I don't know about that. They hold off. But this is saying that God uses his word to form brokenness in us. If you receive it, if you allow him to. God is looking for, he says, God is looking for those who are humble and of a broken and wounded spirit and those who tremble at his word. Think about that. God also uses the things we turn away from to form brokenness in us. Romans 8.28 tells us God causes all things to work together to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. Are you with me? And so when we turn to God and repent, we go that 180 de 80 degrees, God forgives yet, God forgives, he forgets. The Bible says he forgives us. We're going this direction. We've got this thing, this you know, sin in our life. That we've been involved in something and God begins to deal with our heart and we begin to turn. The Bible says he forgives, he forgets, he removes sin that as far as the east is from the west. And we turn and we go the other direction. Why do we forget what, what's there? Why is, why is it far as, as far as the east is from the Because we turn from it and we only see God because we're turning to God. We're turning to pursue him, turning to pursue his presence, turning to pursue his word. But if we ever stop and look back, what do we see? The haunting of sin is because we look back too often and get our eyes off Jesus. When we turn from God and we repent, God forgives and forget. But he forms a brokenness in us from that sin, from our sin. If you look at the life of King David, remember the prophet Nathan comes to David and confronts him with his sin, remember? David repents and cries out to God, but, his, but, the, but God took the life of his son as a result of his sin, okay? So, David repents and he cries out to God for his own life, but also for his son. But his son died. His son died. God used David's mistakes, his sin, to form a brokenness. David is broken. He has failed. He's failed God. He's failed his country. He's failed his family. He's failed his son. He's failed. God forms that brokenness in him. 2 Samuel 12, 20 
says that when David had grieved his son and grieved his own sin, listen to this, David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Here's what David did. God, I've sinned. I've sinned. He's going in this direction. God takes the life of his own son. David doesn't get mad with God. David doesn't get angry. What does he do? He turns. He repents. He sets his eyes on God. He goes into the temple and he worships. When we turn to God and we confess and repent our sins, the Bible says what? He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, God forms brokenness even through our sin. Finally, when we turn to God, God forms a brokenness in us through our circumstances. Through our circumstances. Let's look back at Job in the middle of his circumstances. Yet faithful to God, Job says in, in, verse, in chapter 1, verse 21, he says, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. In other words, I came with nothing, I have nothing. And guess what? Brokenness says I am nothing in between. The world wants you to make you think, okay, we know we came into the world with nothing. And we know, every one of us, we know we're going to leave with nothing, right? Never seen a, a hearse pulling a, a U-Haul, right? Think about it. <laughs> so we know we come in. But in between, in between, the world wants to make us believe that we're something, and the truth of the matter is we come broken before God because before God we come that way, nothing, empty. He says, I came naked, I leave naked. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise be the name of the Lord. That's trust. Though he slay me, I will trust him. Job doesn't walk away angry with God. He doesn't bend to the pressures of all of his friends saying, why did you allow him to do this? Why don't you do this? He doesn't think evil of God. Why would God, God's not a good God. Why would he do this? Job recognizes what God is doing in his own heart and life, and he accepts it. The Bible says he accepts it and joyfully receives the discipline or the chastening of the Lord. Here's what Job says. Happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore, do not despise the chastening or discipline or correction of the Almighty. Happy is the man. How many of you are happy when you're going through the chastening of the Lord? No. We, we, we will be happy. We become happy. But I'm going to tell you, brokenness is no fun. The way that we are broken is we, we keep our eyes on Jesus. We keep pressing into him. Are you hearing me? Hebrews 12, 11 says, Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, hear this church, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. When we recognize this brokenness in our life and we realize that 
in our brokenness, God is training us. He's growing us. He's making us to be the person that he wants us to be. He's making us to be useful. You see, in Job's most difficult of circumstances, God begins to form brokenness in him. And what develops? A joyful, a joyful, peaceable fruit of righteousness. So when we go, every one of us, when we go through difficult times and seasons, none of us like it. It's painful. It's no fun. But when we keep our eyes fixed on him, when we keep our eyes fixed on the prize, when we keep our eyes fixed on what God is doing and allow God to take whatever it is, those circumstances, that difficulty, when we allow God to take it into form within our heart, to form that brokenness, the Bible says we will be filled with the joyful, peaceable fruit of righteousness. I want to ask the worship team to go ahead and come on up. I'm closing here, and I want to close with this story. I think this story is one of the most beautiful stories and illustrations of brokenness that you'll ever see. It's found in Matthew 15, verse 21 through 28. Listen to this story. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a woman of Canaan. Now, the people of Canaan were not acceptable to the Jews. Okay, Behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But Jesus answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's talking to the woman. I wasn't sent for you, the people of Canaan. I was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But this woman kept coming to Jesus. She pressed in. Hear this, church. She said, and she came, it says, then she came and worshiped him. You know, I, 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 I can see this woman, the disciple saying, get her away. Jesus saying, I didn't come for you. And this woman saying, but I'm going to worship you. I'm going to worship you. Though you slay me, though you talk like this, though you say this, I'm coming after you. She was determined. Then she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. She didn't give up. She didn't turn away. She didn't get angry. She didn't get offended. Jesus says, but he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Wow. In today's world, this woman would have been offended and left. She said to him, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Look what Jesus said to her. A woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. 
You see, this woman didn't come to Jesus prideful or demanding. She didn't come and get offended or hurt or angry and leave. She kept saying, I know who I believe. I know who I believe. I'm coming after you. I'm not looking at my past. I'm not looking at what the world says I am. I'm coming after you. And she kept coming. In spite of all this, she kept coming. And she was humble. She was broken. But the cry of her heart was answered. And her daughter was healed. The cry of her heart. You see, church, in these last days... One of the signs that we see in people, I mentioned it last week, is, is, is offense. We're easily offended. We're easily turned away. We easily get upset and mad and, and, and are frustrated. And, you know, we, 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 we start going through difficult times and, and immediately we want to we forget everything. And, but God says, no, turn to me. Turn to me. The cry of the church today has to be, Lord, rend the heavens and come down. In the midst of difficult persecution and everything the Bible speaks of will come to place. I promise you everything, the Bible says every jot and tittle, everything that is spoken of in this world will happen, will take place. I'm going to tell you this. I know it's getting late already, but listen to this something the Lord really put on my heart. If we follow broken leaders, eventually we'll follow a broken leader, and the Bible calls it the Antichrist. It's how we get sucked into that. We must understand God's called us to be broken. He wants us to be useful. In these times, we have to be useful. And in order to do this, there has to be a brokenness formed in all of our hearts. In all of our hearts. The calling of the church, I said last week, is to cry, Lord, rend the heavens and come down. I believe the calling of the church, and what I want to say today, is be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Not be strong in self, not become strong in who the world says you are. Be strong in the Lord, but broken before God. Broken before God in worship, broken before God in service, broken before God in prayer. This woman we, we read of here, she was broken in every way in her worship, in her serving God, coming after him in her prayer, and her prayer was answered. We sang the song about, about warfare. I'm going to tell you how we fight our battles, church. Broken before the Lord in worship, in service, and prayer. That's how we fight our battles. I'm going to ask if, if the worship team would lead us in that song again. And I'm going to ask you this morning, I'm going to ask you this morning, just in your brokenness, just find a place at the altar. Come before God broken. Come before God broken in worship. 
broken in your service, broken in prayer. Come before God broken. Watch what he does, church. That's the way we fight our battle.